What's up, everybody, and welcome back for another episode of Boots to Balls. As you can see, we are back here in our prime location, ready to outkick coverage. Uh, I'm going to play sick this week. That's right. Look, for real, this is not my PSA or anything. The flu is no joke. Yeah. Uh, if you can avoid it, do whatever it takes. I'm not going to tell anybody that they got to go out and get any vaccine, but I'm also not going to tell you not to. Do what you need to do to stay protected from the flu. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by Halls and Coracedon. So if you hear me cough, just uh, bear with. Uh, for those of you who are just joining us here on the podcast for the first time, yep. I am David Storm Manning, PA announcer, game day host for your New Orleans Saints. And I'm going to hold on to that one because mm. uh, the resources are limited. Yeah. And we got a game this weekend. Joining me, as always, my partner in mm. crime, Double D himself. Donald Dunn. What's Absolutely. going on, Donald? It is another week, and it's the best week of the year. We get to finally remind those folks in Alabama, who is the true king of the SEC? I love me. Some Bama hate week. Perfect week. So for those of you who do not follow me on TikTok, shame. 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 Because um, I'm not going to show it here on the episode this week. Oh. But I posted my Bama hate video uh, to TikTok, and it involved... My adorable little Labra staff, Lucy. Ooh, there we go. My Labrador Staffordshire Terrier mix. Uh, we always vacation over the summertime to Orange Beach, Gulf mm -hmm. Shores, and go out that yeah. way. And I thought, mm, what would be fun? My dog is a sports dog. Okay. Her favorite toys are whatever balls I bring back to let her play with. Footballs, mm -hmm. basketballs, soccer balls. Makes ridiculously short work of them. Absolutely. So I went, hmm. Maybe I'm going to bring back a Bama football mm. and let her go to town and see how long it takes her to pop <laughs> the ball. Uh, she had the ball initially popped within 10 minutes. Beautiful. So uh, if that's anything indicative of what LSU is going to do to Alabama, uh, we're going to know how this game is going to end in the first quarter. She had completely deflated it wow. and lost interest 30 minutes in. That's that's truly so, Dave. Yeah. You're an older gentleman than myself, and you're too. You so can kiss I, my ass. So I assume you're wiser than I am, and Donald. Uh, that is a safe assumption. And Donald, you're a very statistically minded person. I'm also older than you, and, and I have a and older, yeah, and wiser as well. So I have a question to ask both of you because maybe you could answer for me because I learned a statistic recently that really. By the way, real quick, nice stain on that shirt. Yeah, you see, when the Sa when the Saints won, I was so disgusted, I just couldn't help but puke. So well, cool. Now you get to do a hundred push-ups yep. later on in the show in that puke. But um, seriously, th there's a question that has been bothering okay. me. Okay. Okay. So I heard that Brian Dennehy Stadium, the Alabama football stadium, uh -huh. holds like a hundred thousand people, right? It's in that area. Why is there only other, with the exception of the visitor area, been seven families? <sighs> You know I know the answer to that question. As do I. I'll let you say it because oh. I I have to I have to be nice. My professional affiliations don't allow me because uh, while it is Bama Hate Week, they are still Saints fans. So I am not going to completely poo poo on them, uh, but Donald can. And, and look, what's important to remember is that the state of Alabama is one of great pride. Great family relations. Everyone is close. They get to know each other. And the closer you can be as a family in Alabama, that's the higher you get there. Actually, can I, I would like to retract my previous statement. Uh, I am, I'm going to answer your question, but I'm, I'm going to let uh, one of my social media followers answer my question. 
Because it is Bama Hate Week. It is Bama Hate Week. What I did was I uh, posted out there on Facebook, if you follow me on Facebook, I said, I want to hear your best Bama hates memes. Like, yeah. you know, g- kind of like the ones that they do, like, for Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris doesn't do push-ups. He pushes the world down. Those kinds of things. It's all accurate, by the way. But there were tons of them all over the internet Absolutely. about Nick Saban and Alabama. So I said, hey, this is what I want. I want y'all in the comment section. Hit me with your best, and I'm going to share them on the show. We're on the show. Let's share them. And one of them from Kurt Wingett will answer your question completely. He said, uh, Ancestry.com, Alabama's number one dating site and official sponsor of the Roll Tide Nation. So maybe, maybe that answers your question. I think that does. That's probably why. Perfect. Some of the other great things that I, that okay. I got, I'm going to just share these with you. Uh, Nick Saban doesn't know the Muffin Man. I love that one. That's Jay Radio Face Grant. He also said, uh, Nick Saban funds Hamas. I can neither hey. confirm nor mm. deny. I can either confirm. I'm just reading. That's what the people said. Uh, Chris Yawn said Nick Saban boils crawfish with Old Bay. I'll say this. (laughs) That is. I don't know if any of that can be confirmed. That's high treason. But what I can confirm and what the viewers can self-confirm is Leonard Skinner once wrote a song about Alabama and how amazing and great of a state it is. And all they could come up with is of how the sky was really blue. Read the lyrics if you don't believe me. More Bama hate. You ready for this one? Chris Yawn says, Bama fans eat corn on the cob long ways. Oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, Lauren, Lauren Nick says, Nick Saban sews curtain weights into the referee flags. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking <laughs> of the state of Alabama, th- there's a game this weekend there? There is. Yeah, there's a, there's a game this weekend. In Tuscaloosa. So, Kurt, who sent me the Ancestry one, had a bunch of them. Uh, you know that little meme that you see on the internet? Of those little happy babies in Africa that are doing the dance and yeah. the it's breaking news: the Bama championship shirts arrive tomorrow. Ooh, <laughs> ooh! It's never too soon. It's Bama to be too early. I just want to breathe. Really, that's it. This was a, such a bad week to have such a comical segment on the show. Um, and then that you know that that's on that same vein. There's that one of the little African baby who looks like he's interviewing this mm-hmm. white lady who works for a Sally Struthers charity. Oh. And he's got that face. We like, you him. telling me? So, lady, you telling me this whole village gets this outfit for free and it's wearing, like, Alabama hats and shirts and 2024 national championship mm. logos, uh, which I think is also kind of funny. For free? Um, one of them showed the picture of that little spooky girl. With a house on fire in the background. Yes. And it goes, they had a Bama flag hanging on their porch. Had. The girl did nothing wrong. That's what I'm saying. Uh, let's see. Uh, Erica, Erica Bugert said, Nick Saban puts his cast iron in the dishwasher. Mm. That's dirty pool. Now, I want to be very clear just because those comments, Boots to Balls and the Boot Sports Network does not advocate violence of any kind towards any player coach or staff, especially if it results in any lethal attack to any Alabama player, whatever, or team. However, you don't need kneecaps to breathe. And currently Nick Saban does have two working kneecaps and theoretically Venmo payments will be paid out to anyone who gets that. I'm glad you cut your own mic off for that one. (laughs) Marcy Addy said Nick Saban burned down the catering. Oh, and this is my favorite one that Marcy also shared. Nick Saban orders no toast extra slaw at Cane's. 
a monster. <laughs> Those are just a some of the ones that we evil, got. twisted man. <clears throat> if you've got some great Bama hate that you want to share with us this week, please put it up in the comments section. Memes, words, yes, let it fly. It's all in good fun. Uh, ultimately, we hope, of course, for an LSU Tigers win. I don't think we're going to hope much for that. I think we're. Uh, I think we'll go out and get it. We'll talk mm, about that yeah. later in predictions. Um, but. I'm sure they're talking smack about us. So yeah. let's let the let's let the the dookie fly. And you know, it, it was a bye week here, so obviously there's no LSU recap to do. So it's all going to be preview this week, which makes it uh, I, that much more. Fun. I would like to point out one last thing for Bama hate, love them or hate them. Ronald Reagan once called the Soviet Union an empire of evil, and there's a few interesting similarities between the Soviet Union and Alabama football. For instance, they're both crimson. Uh, they both embrace bare iconography. They both control the media. They both have corrupt officials. They both have a 2000 rebirth under a dictator. They're both considered the good guys during the early 40s. People under 30 don't appreciate the rivalry. The ultimate goal of both of them is world domination. And citizens are excited by toilet paper and detergent in both states. <laughs> and they have limited port access to the, the Atlantic, borders and battles Georgia, their supporters live among us and must be defeated at all costs. You leave it to him to find. You that. know the lines connected, but how did they get there? I have no idea. No idea. No, no idea. clue at all. So I thought it was very interesting. Now all the the legit Bama hate and fun aside. Yes. Talking about the actual game, yeah, gearing agree. up, looking forward. Both LSU and Alabama were idle this past week. Mm-hmm. I hate that word. They were on buys. They didn't play. They both moved up in the top 25. Correct. Alabama moved up one to eight. LSU moved up two to 13. Neither one of them did a damn thing. Yeah. But both of them moved up in the polls. Unless we're going to use college football playoff, which LSU was 14. A lot of debate in that with Missouri slipping ahead of uh, LSU there. But that'll all get sorted out this week. Yeah, I think it definitely will. Um, Shout out. To LSU wide receiver Malik Neighbors, who after his last performance in the Army game, he is now the FBS leader in receiving yards with 981 yards on 56 catches, nine touchdowns, mm. which is super impressive. Um, so this week, especially after the last game, there are starting to be lots of comparisons to the old 2019 Joe Burrow of LSU course. National Championship offense. When you look at the things that Jaden is doing versus what Joe did, which offense do you think is better? So I think you have to look at it a couple different ways here. The 2019 offense was basically everybody at the highest caliber on their position group on that team, uh, with maybe the exception of maybe, say, tight end. But you had Clyde, who was putting up record numbers. You had, obviously, both Jordan Jefferson. You had... Uh, as well, uh, ju- sorry, you had uh, Terrence Marshall. Let's not forget about him. But then, you know, you go with just that entire team was so loaded to the teeth, to the absolute teeth. And then you look at 2019, sorry, 2023, it's a little bit different because you still have, obviously, Jane Daniels, who is the premier and Heisman front runner yep. quarterback in the country. But then you look at the rest of the team and you say, okay, Malik Neighbors, Brian Thomas, those two are both studs. They're going straight to the league. No questions there. You look a little bit deeper down, you know, I would say right now, 
Terrence Marshall was better than Kyron Lacey up to this point. I would say that, you know, Clyde was better than Logan Diggs. You know, we didn't, even, we didn't even see Logan Diggs game one, you know, things like that. Yeah. Uh, the team was not as complete as 19, which maybe is the reason why they're six and two right now, but they are as explosive, if not by statistical implications, the dominant team between the two. I don't believe that it's the offense's reason why LSU is six and two. Oh, I think that's quite obvious. At, at this point. We had a in in twenty nineteen. We had a much better defense. Than yes, we the defense was elite beyond measure. We've had some some hurdles we've had to overcome this year, especially in trying to figure out freshman faces on yes. the on the line and and a lot of the rest of those things. Um, so that's why I I specifically tailored the question not to say who's the better yeah. team. I think all around you'll say the greatest team in college football history was the LSU 2019 Fighting Tigers yeah. National Championship team. Uh, against any LSU team, against any team from any state, any college, any university of any year, yeah. I would put them up against anybody and they would win. Um, but when you look at the... Okay. Considering the offense. Okay. Jaden Daniels is going to make it in the NFL. He's, I'd agree. He's going to get drafted. I'd agree, yeah. Pretty early, pretty high. Mm-hmm. Who's going to have the better NFL career when it's all said and done? Jaden Daniels or Joe Burrow? You know, it's very early to start that discussion. You know, you look, I know that's why I'm doing it before anybody else. And that's else. why, of course, you have to do it. it started you know, here. Started right here on Boots to Balls. Um, you look at Jaden. He right now has obviously put himself in a position, like I've said previously on this show, I think he's sort of going on that Lamar Jackson track, but with a little bit stronger of a passing uh, reputation. You know, I'm not going to, and it's it's a little weird to go peer-to-peer in this way, but I'm seeing some of C.J. Stroud when I look at him, but C.J. isn't quite even the you know robust runner that Jaden is. So it's really a unique mix maybe between those two quarterbacks. I see a lot of similarity. Um while Joe Burrow is sort of the modern uh, stand-up passer with athleticism, uh, becoming sort of one in his own that we haven't seen quite as much. Now, obviously, we're going to have to see him get back to full health, you know, be it the end of this season or be it next year, whenever that calf is fully replaced, to kind of see what he gets to do with a fully grown adult body. Obviously, he was much older than Jaden was, not by much, but a bit older when he got here and into his uh, ch- championship-winning season. You know, as of right now, I think it all is going to likely depend on where Jaden goes in this draft. The New Orleans Saints. Too early to say. Too early to say. We'll see where that pick lies. We'll see where Jaden grades out. Is it likely they would even take him? I doubt it. I doubt it. Let's just, for the sake of, you know, keeping the Louisiana fan base together, we want to see maybe that happen. Yeah. You know, I think he has every potential to be a – playoff long duration quarterback you know I'd say probably he grades bottom Geno Smith he grades high uh maybe prime Vic as far as like just athleticism showmanship MVP style play um and you know we'll see where he goes in between there that is that is interesting placement Mm -hmm. between Geno and Vic okay Uh, I'll be watching that so the big difference, obviously, as we discussed between this team and the twenty nine de- the twenty nineteen team, mm-hmm. is our defense. Yes, that's what. Uh, that's why we're not having the what team is better d- debate. We found out earlier this week: Deuce Chestnut, Zai Alexander, mm. Denver Harris. They're not going to be available this weekend. Makai Wingo, he is also out. Going to be out for yep. at least six weeks uh, due to having to undergo an unspecified surgery. 
So how bad do you think that hurts the Tigers' chances this weekend? I wasn't going to really expect to see Denver or uh, Deuce Chestnut. I think those two are dealing with some sort of unspoken program rule violation. I can't confirm it, but they're on the team, but they're not practicing. Read between the lines, Louisiana. You know what that generally means. Somebody Um, make the boo-boo. Yep, somebody or a group of people were out and about doing who knows what. Um, They went and rolled the wrong house. You could say it that way. So let's just pretend those two weren't going to play anyway. Zy Alexander going down in the Army game, I think, has been the greatest loss so far in the past month for the Tigers. Um, A team that was starting to sort of see things come together. You look particularly after the Arkansas and Ole Miss game, where sort of the defense finally was showing that it could stop people, that it was able to put together competent series. And then you lose your lead cornerback. Now, Brian Kelly is starting to practice his lead recruit from the previous year, who we did not think was going to get to see this kind of playing time, but now he's going to be put on the national spotlight in primetime. I'm not super worried about it. I I think I'll sort of reiterate what the coach said, is that at this point, it's sort of, and you know, paraphrasing, of course, it's past the point of the year where people get to sort of just make freshman mistakes. Everyone should know their job and how to do it to the level which the job is done is going to be up to them. So I'm going to trust the defense to go out there and play competently, but will their quality match that of the Alabama offense? Time will tell. So when we come back around to it in predictions, of course, uh, there is a thing that I have harped on the LSU offense for uh, – not so much the last couple of weeks, but a number of weeks leading up to this. That I think they're going to have to get back to that if they're going to have success in Tuscaloosa. Oh, is that a teaser? That is a bit of a teaser. And viewers, if you are here just for the LSU-Bama stuff, remember, we are going to be covering it more at the end of the episode, so stay tuned. Oh, yeah, definitely stick around. Yes, uh, absolutely. Big talks when it comes to predictions and uh there is a, also one other very special surprise. Oh, yes. When we, when we get around to predictions and looking back, uh, on top of watching producer Brett do 100 push-ups, push-ups. live on the show uh, in fulfillment of that bet because somebody just hasn't learned his lesson. Who's going to carry the boats? I, I, Everyone will have to find out. Not later. you. Your arms are going to explode somewhere around 94. Will he get to 100 is the better question. Well, I like that he brought in a spotter this week. I think, yes, I think we'll be doing predictions on that. Will Brett hit 100? Go go ahead. No, bring him in. This is my official coach, personal trainer, spotter, uh, George. Hey, I'm a professional uh, boat carrier, and I'm here to teach him how to go about it. He might not make it after this. I don't think he's going to make it after this at all. But I got some China food on deck just in case. I was was going to wait. I don't want to wait because it's hot enough in here. You... Don't learn your lesson. I've been saying it. I've been saying it to you. I've been saying it to them. I've said it to you, but I, well, only one time yeah, have yeah, I really yeah. had to. Hold, please. Okay, okay. Oh. This is an unveiling. Bet on me. Not against me. How about that? Good old Dave over here. You know... I think what we've learned on this show in its young infancy is that there is a certain thing that confidence can get you, but it's a certain thing that it can take away from you. And that's what we sort of do here. We hang in the balance of confidence. Are we confident enough to win, or are we confident enough to eat our loss and move forward? Y'all ain't confident enough to bet no push-ups. I have, 
I, well, first of all, I can't do push-ups. I have half of a shoulder amongst my two arms. Medically documented. Uh, I'll do sit-ups. Ooh. Fat guys doing sit-ups. That's funny. I could do sit-ups all day long. Um, I have lost a bet one time. That's right. Chris Levy. Yep. And I, and I paid that bet. Yep. I, if, I, if I lose a bet. Handsomely, might I say. Handsomely. If I lose a bet, I'll make good on that bet. It's rare that I lose a bet. Why? Got to bet on him. Got to bet on him. You bet on your boy, not against your boy. All right. We'll get, back, we'll get into that again, deeper into predictions. We still got a whole lot of show to get into. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Uh, we'll come back. We'll talk about some Saints stuff here in just a little bit. Uh, we, not we, we are, we are merely a vessel to this. Mm. Uh, but we would like to think that we had something to do with I'd hope so. you becoming $10,000 richer. It is raffle season. Family Promise of St. Tammany, Family Promise of St. Tammany Parish. They would like to give you that $10,000. Family Promise, if you're not familiar with them, they're an organization that provides shelter, help, and hope for families on the North Shore and they cannot do it alone. So for uh, only $25 from now until December 15th, you can buy tickets for their fourth annual Family Promise raffle. The raffle began yesterday. Well, yeah, yesterday the first, uh, depending on when you're watching this. Uh, and they are drawing for amazing daily prizes and if you happen to win any one of their daily prizes, you still remain eligible for that $10,000 grand prize drawing, which is going to take place on December 15th. The more tickets you have, the better your odds. You can get yours now. They will remain on sale throughout the very last day at fpstp.org. That is FPSTP, short for Family Promise of St. Tammany Parish.org. And of course, we would like to once again thank you all for joining us here on the Boot Sports Network, getting the over to the subscribe button, hitting it confidently, as well as the follow button wherever you see. We see all of you coming in with your support, your views, and of course your comments, and we're very thankful for all of that. As we go into the month of November here, we'd like to start a little bit of a Boot Sports Network challenge, where we're going to ask you each and every week to share this video with one of your friends. Bring them onto the Boot Sports team, and let's continue to grow the community here on the Boot Sports Network. It's all a part of making this the premier spot for sports coverage in the state of Louisiana, as we outkick the coverage with you here on the Boot Sports Network. Don't forget, you can also go to our Facebook, if you're watching here, to our Instagram, if you enjoy us over there, X, YouTube, of course, the home of Boots and Balls, and not to forget, TikTok. We are on we the TikTok. And, of course, many of your other favorite social media sites as we continue to grow here. Once again, we ask you to support us as we once again thank you here on the Boot Sports Network. All righty, so moving right along, continuing our outkicking coverage. Uh, let's just do this. Let's get it out the way. Okay. Tulane. Tulane. Tulane cooks rice 30 to 28. Uh-huh. You like that? Laugh track. You like that? Rice. I say that because uh, he's sitting there sending us through the Discord memes of rice getting cooked mm-hmm. when rice was mounting that comeback that almost yes. maybe took him somewhere. I cooked rice myself. I boiled the water, and then they let me down. That happened. For the second week in a row, Tulane did nearly squander a very dominant first-half performance in the second half. They were up 27-7 to at halftime in this one. Then Rice scored 14 unanswered in the third. Thankfully, kicker Valentino Ambrosio was able to put three second-point halves, second-half points rather on the board for the wave. That was in the fourth quarter. The only points they would yes. score in the second half. 
which led to a 30-21 to lead, putting the game just out of touch for the Rice Owls. Tulane has now won six straight, which is its longest in-season win streak since going 12-0 in 1998. Mm. With this loss, Rice drops to 4-4. Four and four. Tulane moves up to 7-1, and one, undefeated in conference. Tulane faces 1-7 East Carolina this Saturday. Then they've got 3-5 and five Tulsa the following week before they finish out against FAU, who's currently 4-4, four and four, and UTSA, who's 5-3, and three, both still undefeated in AAC play. Mm. Do you think Tulane's going to do what it takes to win out? Can they? So Tulane has put themselves into a position that, you know, they are truly, I guess now, it was determined us by the college football playoff committee, the front runner for a New Year's Six Bowl as they got placed above undefeated Air Force and the committee failed to recognize James Madison's 8-0 as they are currently barred from bowl play due to NCAA regulation. So at this point, Tulane has to keep winning, and they'll get wherever they want to get at the end of the year. All postseason goals are there. Uh, You look at their upcoming schedule, I think UTSA is obviously the scariest element of that. And I'm just going to check here, so bear with me, everyone. I believe that game is indeed going to be at Yulman. Yep, and I I think that is the closer. That is the closer, correct. So ultimately, Tulane right now has to not only continue to win, but they can't keep having these games like they did against Rice. While it was obviously impressive that they were able to mount a strong defensive effort, as I believe the defense is the unspoken hero of this entire season, putting up very strong efforts back and forth. Obviously, Michael Pratt is doing amazing things with the offense, getting business taken care of, but that defense is not letting anybody take a game from them. That's for certain. So here's what scares me looking at Tulane. Tulane has allowed Rice and then North Texas the week before them to score 28 points. Yep. That is the season high as far as allowed points for the Tulane defense. And they have only been at 30 to 35 points. In their victories, they're averaging about mid-30s. 37, they won uh, 21-3, but that was Kai Horton uh, over Southern Miss. 36-7 over Nichols, 35-23 at UAB, 31-21 Memphis, and then 35-28, 30-28 in the last yep. two. If Tulane is going to keep it in the low to mid-30s mm-hmm. and their defense is starting to slide and allow more points, yep. I don't think you're going to have a problem against 1-7 and seven East Carolina this yeah. week. But if you don't figure out how to fix that, FAU and UTSA are going to be looking for ways to exploit it. Oh, I believe it. And, and that's the thing that I think that Tulane fans like producer Brett would absolutely hate to see is for Tulane to come so far only to lose it all in the last game of the season. And as they get closer to this final game of the year, you know, you're getting into the crunch time, the witching hour, as some of our friends like to say in the business. Tulane is, I believe that they truly are aware of what's coming because I'm going to say a thing that hasn't been mentioned yet. We're going to talk about it a little later and kicking around the boot. Uh, I don't think conference realignment is done. And you have a brand new athletic director coming into Tulane some point later this season, maybe next year. Will it be producer Brett? Time will tell. Um, Yeah, you get a call back for that second interview yet? 
Well, I wrote a 600-page manifesto called the Tulane Manifesto, and I've been being on their enemies' sidelines, so I might get the job. Did you get that nice pair of sunglasses we had? Yeah, yeah as well as the, uh, the, the hat. Yeah. <laughs> You've been taking notes from Michigan, have you? Yeah, yeah. Me, me and Connor Stallions were like this. Man. It's a great side gig, isn't it? I think oh, it's, it's great. I think it's great that you took my advice when I pointed out that you kept wearing that one green plaid shirt week after week yeah, that yeah. you started varying the wardrobe. I've mm-hmm. also been publicly Venmoing pay- my uh, assistance with the taglines <laughs> of sign stealing oh, okay. at practice. Very nice. So, you know, I, I'm covering my tracks. Took a page out of a certain Louisiana coach playbook there. <laughs> I won't say his name, but uh, <coughs> for those of you who know. You know. Of you, who know. Know. you know. But, no, in all seriousness, no. Tulane with, I think, definitely three more wins. They're going to cement themselves as a premier team that needs to be considered now. If they run the table, which I think is what we're talking about here more than anything. That was the the, question, Win the conference championship, and then you're going up against undefeated Air Force. Tulane has a slightly, slightly stronger body of work, but the Mountain West is the stronger overall conference this season. I think Michael Pratt needs to get back to what we were thinking he was going to be before that injury earlier this year and start uh, putting on some offensive performances to catch the eye of the national media and make sure the Tulane remains in that darling spot. Tulane, future Pac-12 team. You heard it here first. Oh. Oh, That's that's hot take number one for the show? Number one. Uh, All right. Well, we'll mark it down, and when it happens, we will definitely make sure you get your flowers. I think you would be the absolute first (laughs) to make that call. Yeah, absolutely. I think there are a lot of people going around, no, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Mm. I don't know that. What? We've seen Stranger. We have. We have. We have seen much Stranger. Um, but it's going to be fun to to see what they do. I've got my predictions uh, for what they're going to do with East Carolina. East Carolina, I think, should be the game that they are going to have the easiest time with yeah, in the remainder of the so. schedule. You would definitely think so. I still don't know if they're going to break 40. Mm-hmm. We'll see in predictions. We'll see in predictions. Stick around. One we'll get last to point here for Tulane. Um, if today we were in next year's college football 12-team format, Tulane would, based off them being one ranking ahead of Air Force, automatically qualify, and they'd be heading up to Ann Arbor, Michigan, to play a playoff game against the Michigan Wolverines. If everything ended today, yeah, assume, not well, be on their sideline with sunglasses and a hat. So I believe that it is going to be very important, you know, be it not this season, but be it in the future that whenever you are the team that is leading the group of five charge, there is no room for mistake. And Tulane is starting to feel the pressure, obviously to keep their own, you know, goals at the end of the year, be it a Fiesta Bowl or something. Fiesta Bowl versus a LSU team. Who knows? Maybe. Uh, maybe. Oh, heard that here first. Party in the desert. Who would who would you rather see Tulane play in a bowl game? Would you rather see them play? I mean, now first of all, LSU would have to end up in in that bowl game. Yes. And once they get past Alabama, and then they win the SEC championship against Georgia, you know, things can happen. Yes. But if LSU were to play a bowl game, would you rather them go up against a Tulane team, or would you rather see them? Tulane play a team like uh, like a James Mads yeah. or like a, an Air Force or like one of these other little darlings that maybe mm-hmm. is trying to steal a little maybe bit of the Green Wave spotlight. Maybe a bit more of a, on their level in a, you know, that elite format that Why we see. Why would like you these not LSU want a classic rivalry game between LSU and Tulane for the rag? 
that which Tulane has not been able well, to We know that you would want that. I think the greatest part about this that would be a bit unfortunate is that the Sugar Bowl would not be available to host it due to it being a playoff game. Unless Tulane somehow is able to sneak through the magic of yeah, uh, well, chaos. That would be magic Into sure. the playoffs with LSU. I will, I will say this, and I, and I don't think that this is a hot take. Tulane ends up playing LSU in a bowl game this season. It will not be close. It won't be close. Or LSU not be the happiest man in the world. LSU would eat Tulane's lunch. They are just on a different level offensively. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, compliments to the Tulane defense, obviously. But. No, they're doing amazing things. They're still a top twenty-five team. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, they're no. not. They're not ready for LSU. No. They're not ready for the top ten, the top twelve. And I, I think even though LSU is still ranked just outside the top ten, their offense is number one. I yeah. mean, they're just not ready for that. No. I would take them in a rematch against USC again any day of the week. I would love that. Yeah. Oh, I would Ooh, love that. Oh, that would be a good game. Ah. Should we talk about the other good game that we saw this weekend? Let's talk about it. And I'm happy. Oh, I'm happy. Are we going to get to not complain about a certain group of this team for once? The Saints improved to 4-4 four and four with a 38-27 to 27 statement win. Over the Colts. I'm saying it was a statement win. What was the statement? The statement was, we figured out what this offense can do. That's right. And they did. And I, I, I almost feel like over the Halloween break, we went through the twilight zone. Oh, I think so. Because we're about to talk about Saints football in a complimentary way regarding the Saints offense. I've been waiting to do this for months. And, and not necessarily in a derogatory way about the defense, but it's been the other way around. All season long, absolutely. This has been Derek Carr's best performance as a Saint so far. I would say so. No, no, no. Statistically, it has been. You don't have to say so. I'm telling you, it is. 19 for 27, 310, 70.4 completion percentage. Two touchdowns, no picks, highest rating as a Saint, 133.3. How about Derek? Outstanding game for Derek Carr. Now, we've talked, and lots of other people have talked about it as well, uh, talking about the communications and miscommunications amongst the offense, primarily between he and his receivers. Yep. He and Chris Olave have had some, some issues and uh, just him coming off the field and throwing temper tantrums. That's right. I don't know if y'all caught this in the beginning of the game or not. I know you don't like to watch a lot of pro football, producer Brett, but I loved what I'm about to share. And if you caught it, then you, you'll love it too. It was addressed by the commentators pre-game uh, where they were telling the story of Derek Carr asking folks what he thought he needed to do to get on the same page <laughs> with his teammates. Yeah. And it was reported that he apparently was even asking his wife at one point. Mm-hmm. And his wife told him, you need to talk to them the way you talk to me. Can you imagine being... Now, no, look, I, I know you're not married. You were in a relationship. Yes. I am happily married for years. We have all played football. We all understand how the game goes. I try to imagine talking to anybody that I've ever played football with in the way that I would talk to my wife. Yeah, that's... uh... And look, I, I, I know I don't look the part, but I have always joked about being the backyard Drew Brees. I have always been the quarterback, mostly because I'm not very fast. I don't run fast. That's all right. But I'm accurate. Whatever. My yards were not all that big. I didn't have to throw it 90 yards. I 
look, buddy, I get it. Yeah. I know you wanted to run that out route, and but you were supposed to run the deep route. And I could not imagine a dynamic in which talking to a receiver the way I talked to my. I love you, Chris. I do, but man, you just got. I just I had a difficult time with it. Just walking you're up behind. So great. Like I just want to let you know you're so great. However, like if you could just try to like maybe catch the ball a little more. And Derek just walking up I'll, behind Jawan Johnson, just grabbing the shoulders, you know, a little massage. Hey, baby. Hey, yeah. You, know, look, you got to hey, do that a little was, better this week. That was, that was real good this 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 last drive. But, um, look, I'm going to throw it to you, and I need you to get them big manly muscular hands ready to put them on that there ball, baby. Can we do? And, and I, Derek Carr doesn't sound no, like that at all. I don't even know where that came from. But to watch the game, you had to think that he probably took that advice very much to heart. Very seriously. And then they said that, you know, he – he went from having like emoji text conversations to actual like phone calls oh, big boy with words. his receivers. Big boy words there. And like working things out. How about that? And you know what you didn't see this week? Any flare ups. Any... No flare ups. No temper tantrums. No chasing people on no the sidelines. No fussing people on the sidelines. There he was chasing people on the sidelines. Yeah, give them. <laughs> but it was all about giving flowers. Yeah. Giving props. Well done. Yeah, that's it. That's what we're talking about. And it. Are we going to say it worked? I, 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 it's hard to say that it didn't. That's right. Wow. It's I mean, only like time the will NFL tell. Is like scripted, and they heard the PA announcer for the Saints was going to lose a bet if the Colts won. Oh, oh, get that out of here. Sorry, sorry. Performance from producer Brett. There. It tisk, sounds tisk, sounds tisk. like somebody is a little nervous about those hundred push-ups he bet on. Would you do the push-ups better if we talked to you like we talked to our wife? It, you know, he's right. He's right. I'm entirely too hard on you. Brett, I think you do a great job with this show. I think that you are fantastic in all your production responsibilities. Uh, you don't really know what you're talking about when it comes to sports, though, as evidenced by your poorly chosen bets. But you but, give it your darn. But you every produce week. the hell out of this show, baby, and I love you for it. I was considered for a head coaching position. You weren't, so... Nope, and look at you now, yep. producing <laughs> podcasts. Oh, uh, but I, I love you, baby. I do. <laughs> I do. You're my favorite. <laughs> You're the best producer around, Brett. It's a true story. Don't forget that. The best one in our budget, and for t- damn sure. Yep. Um, Until you eventually get whisked away by the hook of uh, your words. Rashid Shahid. Fast man. Rashid Shahid. fast man. You know how many catches he had this game? He had three. Three. You know how many yards he had? Over 153. 153 yards and three catches. How about that, man? 51 yards per catch average. I saw him at the courthouse this week. You know what he was doing? <laughs> he was adding Moss to the end of his last name so he I'll, could be truly enshrined with the great Randy on that one. Because, goodness, that man put some yards up. Uh, yeah, he did. And when you have Rashid Shahid, who is the speedster. Yes. And he is able to do that. And he's able to open up the defense now because now you've got to account for him. Deep. Oh, yeah. You know what he's capable of. And now that he and Derek Carr figured mm-hmm. out how to get on the same page, how do you take care of that deep threat when you've got Chris Olave and Mike Thomas on the other side? Just causing got, headaches in the middle. You have a ridiculous tight end room. Jawan yep. Johnson's back. You've got Foster Morrow. You've got Taysom Hill in whatever capacity they want to line Taysom Hill Jimmy up Graham as. Jimmy Graham if you're feeling a little frisky. Jimmy Graham when he's, when he's healthy, when he's feeling a little frisky. Our rushing game last week oh, yeah. was outstanding. Taysom Hill led with 63 yards on nine carries, two touchdowns. Alvin Kamara had a, a rushing touchdown as well. 
And uh, Jamal Williams had five yards per carry average. Oh, yeah. Just casual. Rushing. So, uh, all of those guys. Hey, yo. We talked about this early in the season. Mm-hmm. This was the Saints team that everybody was excited to see. Yep, that we expected. This was the Saints team that they were like, oh, my God, if they can get it together, we could get 11 or 12 wins. Yep, one that was beating Kansas City, all that good stuff. I'm telling you right now, I'm not feeling so bad about my 11-win prediction anymore. Yeah. I mean, we still can only lose two. Looking at the schedule, though, it's, it's honestly not that in- it's doable. impossible. Yeah. We went from two weeks ago talking about how much we hated this and hated that and this person and that person and needed to get fired. Yeah. And we're smiling because the Saints are tied for top of the division with Atlanta, who we play in two weeks. That's right. And we're going to smoke them. I believe so. I, I'm super excited about what I saw. Uh, my only hope is that um, it's not a one-off. Yes. It's not a fluke. Not only that, I think... One thing that I'm looking at is, will the defense be able to recover its prestige and get back to that sub-20 game? Now, you have a very elite opportunity here. We're going to talk a little bit more in predictions, how we're going up against a D2 quarterback Mm -hmm. and the remainder of whatever Assuming he plays. Assuming he plays, yeah, of whatever is the left of the Chicago Bears um, here on Sunday. So, you know. The Saints are kind of gifted a little bit by the schedule, a chance to regroup, strengthen, and sort of harden what we can see as maybe a soft shell of greatness. Yep, I like it. I, I think this is a perfect opportunity for them to have a team like Chicago to play before we really have to start looking down the barrel of Atlanta. Yeah, much less the NFC South run, where you're going to have to start winning some games. Correct. We were talking about Alvin Kamara. He's already having a record-breaking season, which he has done with less than a full season because of the yeah. suspension early on. He is now the only saint in history to reach 10,000 all-purpose yards. And he is, uh, for the 11th time in his career, he's had a game with both a rushing and receiving touchdown, which ties Cleveland Browns Hall of Famer Jim Brown for fifth most games all time with that stat. Our offensive line appears to be getting better. Uh, Derek Carr only took one sack. It was that sack fumble. Yep. And that was the only turnover of the game for the Saints. Um. And it was a game where you didn't have to worry about missed field goals. No. Blake, Blake Groupie was perfect. It was one for one job. field goal, five for five PATs. When the offense is giving you six and you don't have to settle for three, exactly. it makes the games a whole lot easier to play. Um, if the, And this was, to your point, one of my, my, my final notes was if the Saints can continue to pr- produce this way offensively and the defense can get back to allowing less than 20 points per game, this is going to be that... 11 and six NFC South championship team. Yep. Um, and I really feel like this week is going to be an offensive tune up game against the Bears. Oh, I believe so. Super excited uh, to get into that and share my prediction when we get around to it. But before we get to predictions, uh, we got to kick around the boot uh, just a little bit. And we're going to talk a little bit uh, about basketballs. Yep. And, uh, and all the rest going on live. We are. Oh, that's true. They are in the... Um, we are just now tipping off at the Smoothie King Center. We'll get into that a little bit later. Indeed. But we've been talking about football, and no self-respecting sports fan likes to play on ugly turf, which is why I and so many others trust my lawn care to Fleur de Green Lawn and Landscaping. Chris and the crew at Fleur de Green do a whole lot more than just mow lawns, which I can tell you from firsthand experience that they do do very well. But they can also help with landscaping installation, plant and garden maintenance, drainage, irrigation installs and repairs, pavestone patios, fences, and much, much more. For examples of their work, check them out on Facebook at Fleur de Green Lawn and Landscape or 
For more information, call Fleur de Green at 504-240-8044. That's 504-240-8044. You can also email fdglandscape at gmail.com. Tell them David Storm sent you. Fleur de Green Lawn and Landscape. They love what they do. You will too. I do. And of course, every week, and thankfully, here we are together all once again, back at the lovely studios provided to us by Echo Tango and Tommy Tally. Great folks over here. We obviously had to take a week off last week. You got to see us do our first digital live show as uh, Dave here was recovering from the old flu. But, you know... It's such a great relationship that we've been able to form here. They are very accommodating. You know, we try and every week, you know, keep as much consistency as we can, yet we're still able to do it even off-site to come back, and we're back like you never missed us. That's the great thing when you have good partners you work with, and we very much are thankful for the partners we have here at Echo Tango. Thanks again, Tommy Talley, everyone here at the group. Thanks, Tommy, indeed. Uh, And to piggyback that and uh, and the Boot Sports Network, if you liked the dynamic last week yes. where we were live doing the show, answering your comments and your questions yep, yes, as course. you were asking them, uh, we are going to be getting back to that, but from right here. From right here. We're going to be doing it uh, live streamed on uh, YouTube, on Facebook, yep. on the social media channels. So please make sure that you are following us at Boot Sports Network on all your favorite social media channels. They're all right here in the ticker at the bottom of the screen. Yep. Um, and that way you will know when we're going to go live, what our live stream schedules are. That's right. You could be a part of the show, ask us questions. We will be answering them real we time. In real time. So we are excited to get back to that uh, right here from oh, yeah. Echo Tango with all of you guys. Absolutely. It's going to be a uh, great fun as we get started in that journey. But uh, there was some great fun around the boot. There was some Should fun around the it? boot. Let's yes. So last week we uh, brought in our very first guest. Yes. We got a chance to talk with Joseph Furtado, who is the uh, play-by-play announcer for uh, the, he's well, he's the broadcast play caller for yes. uh, the uh, Baton Rouge Zydeco on WBRZ out here in the capital city. And uh, the Zydeco, they opened up last week, getting used to playing hockey in the capital city. Still trying to find their first win of the season, mm-hmm. hoping to get that against the Mississippi Seawolves this Friday at the Raising Canes River Center. Now, you were there for the season opener last week. What was that like? Let me tell you, it was, it was a really fun experience. You know, it's been 20 years without Baton Rouge having a team to call its own. And and the weird thing about Baton Rouge, you know, a, a very large market relatively to not have any professional sports which has always been a gap this region has sort of had to deal with. You know, you obviously have elite college with LSU and elite college with Southern. Both of those teams have put up some great runs, some great teams throughout the year. But this feeling of a professional sports team and the unique identity it forms with its community is one of the greatest things you have in the field of sports. So to go out there, you had, I'd say, first night somewhere around 5,000 or so. The uh, Zydeco did lead the FPHL in uh, attendance this weekend, so that was good to see. That's awesome. Yeah, from first weekend out uh, and, you know, some great crowds. And and one of the great things, I'm going to give a shout-out. I, I mentioned a little bit here in, uh, and shared within a couple Facebook groups. Uh, the Baton Rouge Zydeco fan base is so engaged. And, you know, that is something that, you know, you're looking at uh, low A hockey, as we discussed with Joseph. You know, this is not something where you're getting, you know, uh, household names or anything like that. But not yet. Not yet. Not yet. But, hey, sometimes they start right here in Baton Rouge. It's it's so amazing because the community's coming together. And, of course, if you want to go and join any of those fan groups there, they'll be happy to point you in the right direction, be it tickets, be it, you know, uh, sort of creating a culture around a team. 
And that's just been such a great thing to see. You know, the games, obviously, the team is still young. They're learning the ropes, uh, sort of working together. I know the roster was finalized day of the first game, some of the unique things you see down there in minor league hockey. But, yeah, it was truly a fun experience, and I think uh, we'll be talking about them quite a bit more this season. I'm looking forward to getting into that. Absolutely. I want to send some congratulations out to LSU baseball coach Jay Johnson as it was reported early last week that he has agreed to a new deal worth over $12.5 million. Mm. Over the next seven years, it's going to make him one of the highest paid coaches in the country. So shout out to Coach Jay Johnson. Uh, Tulane and the AAC, they would like to welcome Army to the AAC ranks. The Black Knights were voted to join the American Athletic Conference in football only starting next year in 2024. And uh, Northwestern. Yes. Again, our hearts remain out with the Natchitoches community. They announced prior to their scheduled contest with McNeese last week that they would be canceling the rest of their football season. Yes. Uh, They just canceled the entirety of it. That on the heels of the shooting death of Ronnie Caldwell a few weeks back. Um, And then, of course, we also saw uh, almost immediately, almost as if it happened concurrently, uh, that their head coach resigned as well. Um, A very sad but also strange situation yeah, very, coming out of Natchitoches there. And, and you know, this is something I was going to uh, elaborate <laughs> a little bit more on. We're, we're seeing a little bit of a unique, uh, you know, obviously not by design trend going on within the FCS ranks of Louisiana schools. Uh, obviously, McNeese, with its great impacts from the hurricanes a few years ago, their stadium took a lot of damage. You know, their athletic program was set back a good bit. You're seeing this here with the Natchitoches community. You know, there's some of these uh, FCS teams, you know, they're dealing with a lot going on out there. And, you know, I, I was doing some research uh, over the past week, you know, kind of trying to learn a little bit more about the ground situation there, how things are going. The average, you know, endowment for a lot of these FCS schools, be it Northwestern, be it McNeese, is somewhere around $20 million. For those of you who aren't familiar, LSU has an endowment somewhere around $690 million. Louisiana Tech and ULL, about $100 million each. So these smaller schools, be it North, uh, be it Northwestern, Nichols, Southeastern, McNeese, Southern, and Grambling, you know, they operate a little bit different. And it, we can look at, you know, imagining a team like LSU or ULL canceling an entire season and say, oh, that would be unfortunate, but, you know, nothing would really miss a beat. This is going to be a major impact to those student athletes. And at a time like this is when you want to support your community. You know, uh, the Nichols and the, you know, McNeese's of the world, they're also going to be missing out on some of these games that they would have been able to play against Northwestern, have those fans travel, the interaction there. So, you know, if you're a fan of these teams and this is the team that you wear on your chest, you know, give them a little bit of support. Give them a little bit of love. Show them that you're supporting them because, you know, they need that support they lost, you know, and having some of these things go on. So, uh, you know, strengthen the community, strengthen the teams, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing what Northwestern does as they pick things up next year. Yep, and even even if they're not the team that you wear on your chest, yeah, every once in a while you bump into a story that uh, requires the prioritization of humanity over sport. Absolutely. And, and I think this should be one of those things. Uh, obviously, we don't have all of the details here. Yeah. We don't know... Um, exactly what happened in regards to mm-hmm. uh, it to the shooting. We don't know exactly what kind of impact it had on the community. We don't know what the feelings like inside that locker room. Yeah. Um, it makes you wonder because uh, mm-hmm. they did rush to try to get that Southeastern game played. Yep. 
moved it up um, a little bit. They, they moved it up. They played the game. They ended up losing that game, yeah. only to have to go to Ronnie Caldwell's funeral services in Texas the next day. Yeah. It almost makes you wonder, right? you think they were talking about canceling the rest of the season prior to that game? Do you think there was something that happened in that game that just went, nah, our heart's not in it. We just... The rest of the season. Yeah, so, you know, and it's not like they were having an undefeated banner year either. They had still were yet to win a game by yeah. that point. I think it's, you know, sort of taking a moment and reflecting like, okay, you know, I, I see that this has happened around me. I see that it's affecting people that I know. You know, obviously, I think one of the greatest bonds you'll ever have in life is that of being on a team, yep. working towards a common objective. And, you know, it that may be a situation where you just want to go ahead and reset, you know, kind of be like, okay, this is not what we need to be focusing on right now. Let's focus on what's actually going to matter. What's going to get us back ready as people um, to remember and to move forward with, uh, you know, Ronnie with them, you know, so that's what I think they ultimately decided more than anything was that this season playing these games, you know, just if it continued on the trajectory where you're ending up with like a winless season, something like that. I don't think that's the note that they wanted to send everything out on. I think they'd rather focus on getting themselves right and getting the community right. So they can, you know, go out and give a actual best foot forward, uh, you know, uh, without the obviously weight of the situation on them. So I I don't want to sit on this for too much longer, but My final question to that regard, we talk about the impacts to the community. Of course. Um, You have the cancellation of a football season. Yes. Ronnie Caldwell was a football player. He was a member of that team. You're not hearing any of the other squads impacted. The only real impact they had was back when they moved up the Southeastern game, they had to move the volleyball game to accommodate. Yes. That was really it. Can you say that there are community impacts if you're not seeing similar actions taken by other university teams? You know, I would say yes. And the reason why is because you can look at any city where there's a college in this state, uh, you know, maybe aside from New Orleans. Game day is one of the best economically performing days for a lot of these communities, be it Ruston, Baton Rouge as a great example. Uh, you know, you go down to Thibodeau, somewhere like that. When you can bring 20, 15,000 people into your city and they all need a place to go eat that day, they need a place to, you know, it, it's the businesses. It's the it's the people that are, you know, working photography for the local newspaper. It's, you know, the sports writers. Everyone is sort of, you know, it's a part of their day-to-day that they have to now, you know, find a way to continue on with and you know obviously there's much more that's going on in the Natchitoches community the other sports you know doing well soccer right now made it into I believe a semifinal for Southland Conference the community will find things to rally around but they are without you know some of their I guess uh most critical moments of the year when it comes to the sports teams in particular yeah it again our hearts go out to everybody in Natchitoches yeah, the northwestern absolutely. community um Time heals all wounds is the old adage, and we hope it does. Uh, gone but never forgotten, Absolutely. I'm sure. And uh, it will be curious to see what comes for the Northwestern football team in the wake of the cancellation, oh, yeah. the resignation, and all the rest of it. I know there'll be uh, definitely some uh, enlightened spirits, I'd like to believe, when it comes to August next year. Indeed. 
Uh, did you have anything else to add as we kicked it around the boot? I'll throw one little uh, last one out here. This is a bit different, and we'll get into this more when spring rolls around and the uh, time of year. But uh, the NOLA Gold uh, rugby team, professional major league rugby in New Orleans, they welcomed a new coach today. That was uh, Corey Brown as they look to kind of get things right, get uh, moving towards another playoff berth and uh, sort of continue to build up their community. A very young franchise. I believe they're in year six down there in New Orleans. They play in uh, what some of you may remember as Zephyr Stadium, if you've ever been down there for some minor league baseball or uh, Wally Pond of Classic. Uh, that building is actually going under undergoing some major renovations right now. And, shrine uh, on Airline. The Shrine on Airline, or as the uh, gold like to call it, the gold mine on Airline. I like that. So, uh, you know, they're going to be going about the process in these next couple of years, I believe, along with Jesuit who's agreed an agreement with them. They're going to basically convert that over to a full-on football-slash-rugby stadium. They're going to be bringing in seats out through what was the former outfield and closing into more of a rectangular shape, similar to what LSU's opponent down the road, Georgia State, did with Turner Field when they uh, took over that stadium. So you'll have a fifteen to 20,000-seat rectangular sport, I'll call it, uh, built a Sportatorium. Sportatorium for uh, football and rugby down there in Metairie. And uh, we certainly wish them support as they uh, get a very early preseason going right now. Indeed, indeed. Speaking of getting the season going, oh, the early boy. season going, you ready for some full-court press? I want to talk about a full-court press for a winning number four in the Western Conference, New Orleans Pelicans. Number four in the Western Conference. They I'm going to go ahead and start saying it because I don't know how much longer I can. They are number two in the Southwest at the moment, and That's they are right. also currently leading the Detroit Pistons in a game that is underway from the SKC right now. Well, I say that, and then uh, Detroit just knocks a three-pointer down. And what you going to do? 17-15. It's still uh, very, very early on in the first quarter. The Pels, though, they look pretty good they right do. now. All they do. Season. They did have one game that... Uh, I'm sure that we would all like for them to take back. Mm -hmm. Um, But otherwise, they had wins against Memphis and the New York Knicks before taking that 130-102 to loss against Steph Curry and crew in Golden State on Wednesday. The Pelicans were in Oklahoma City last night where they overcame, at one point, a 22-point second-quarter deficit to come back and silence the Thunder 110-106. to That was a heck of a game. That was a game. And, you know, you did it without Brandon Ingram, which I think is one of the things that, you know, as Pelicans fans, I I call us, you know, the most uh, difficult fan base to be a part of in the country. Not for the sake of the fans, but for the sake of you never know what this team is going to do. You never know how this team is going to get to field their uh, players. But, man, it was nice to see them actually come back. You know, they go down in the second quarter, and it's a 20-point deficit. It's certainly not a you know a final saying in the NBA, but you have a lot of work to do when you're down twenty. Well, the good news is when you're down twenty at half, that's a whole lot better than being down twenty at the end of the third. Exactly, brought it very close at half, I believe, up to six points. So you know you saw a lot of fight, but then you saw what I believe is going to be a truly mature and playoff ready team when we get later into the year. You saw Zion and CJ say, "We're going to handle this." Y'all play your role, and let's get out of here as quickly as we can. And you see them go up by 10 in the second half. You see them uh, put away Oklahoma City, which was such a refreshing sight to see, particularly with how last season ended with them sort of letting Oklahoma City steal one down there in the Smoothie King Center. You 
Shea Gilgis Alexander defended perfectly by Herb Jones. No foul at the end of the game. Could have gave them the game. You see uh, C.J. McCollum hit lockdown threes to seal the game away. That is truly the performance of a playoff competent ready team, and it's such a refreshing sight to see for the fan base. To talk about C.J. McCollum last night, 10 from 17, 10 for 17 from the field, 5 for 8 from three-point land, 4 for 7 from the line, 29 points, led the team, Shot better than 50% from everywhere he let the ball go. Yes, absolutely. On fire last night. And he's uh, he's not doing too bad today either. Uh, he is not leading the team. He is second in points scored. You know who is currently leading the team against the Pistons in points? I'm going to have a random guess, and I'm going to say this is with Zion and B.I. out tonight. Zion on predetermined rest. B.I. still nursing a slight knee tweak. Uh, I'm going to guess Jordan Hawkins. Jordan Hawkins yet to score a point. He is in the game. Yes. Matty Ice. Matty Ice. Matt Ryan. We have the NBA, uh, who is now a New Orleans Pelican. Matt Ryan is 3-4-3 three three from three-point okay. land. He's uh, letting it fly tonight. Making it rain in the SKC, he is. Um, and he was billed, touted, yes. as the sharpshooter that we ended up getting from the, uh, the Boston Celtics yes. and a number of other programs before that. And living up to the hype tonight. Definitely filling I the role. I just hope that I'm not yeah. <laughs> knocking on wood Too for that. Too early to say definitively. But, I mean, you, you love to see this team find ways to overcome, you know, uh, be it an injury, be it a rest night. Everyone's stepping up. And, that's, and, and let's be honest with ourselves. You still have no Jose Alvarado. You still nope. have no Trey Murphy. Nope. You still have no Najee Marshall, nope. might I add. So, these are really not even your true rotation this is your reserves playing in this role that are coming out, putting up consistent points. Jordan Hawkins, a rookie, is starting and getting in place of B.I. there, and he's putting up very respectable numbers, being a contributor on the team. At such a, you know, you know, that's why I think sometimes fans get a little bit worried whenever you draft a senior or you draft these older college players. You say, okay, so there's not much upside or something along that line, but the fact is you're getting someone who knows how to play basketball. You're getting someone who's competent. That's what we saw when we drafted Herb Jones. We got a competent NBA-ready basketball player that, no, may not make an all-star team year one, but they can certainly go out there and give you solid role minutes, and that's what we're seeing from this entire Pelicans team so far this year. Absolutely. Kyra Lewis and Dyson Daniels just entered the game for the Pels. And I bring that up only because we were talking about the, the rotational yeah. uh, play that we saw, especially last night. Absolutely. Dyson Daniels and Larry Nance Jr. coming in off the bench were oh, yes. huge for the Pels last night. Um, and, I, and I said it before the season started, I think this is the year to put eyes on Dyson Daniels. He is going to have a breakout season this season. And he's certainly getting to play a little bit of a larger role earlier in the year without... Jose there, and that's good for his development, honestly. All these guys, same with Kyra, who's been, you know, he dealt with the knee injury, and then he came back, and now finally getting to see some minutes and meaningful time, and you're seeing him continue to be able to contribute. You know, we took a unique rebuild viewpoint whenever we traded Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday, and we said, okay, that momentary moment of success we're going to say goodbye to, and we're going to start with this very young core. And so far, the dividends that it has paid, even at this point, you can think, you know, when we get to playoff time, even free agency or uh, trade deadline, 
the assets that we're going to have is going to put this team in a position to go from not a playoff contender, but a championship contender. And I'm very excited about that. Yep. As it stands right now, not tonight's game excluded. Yes. We are one game back from the unbeaten Dallas Mavericks uh, for the lead in the Southwest. And that is a beautiful thing to hear. It is a gorgeous thing to hear. Uh, We're going to step away and let the Pels continue to do what they're doing. They have now expanded their lead with five and a half left in the first. Pels are up 22 to 17 against the Pistons. And hopefully that uh, will continue to be the the case for the rest of the day. Uh, Now, I believe we have a... A brand new sponsor that we'd like to take a moment to acknowledge in the show. Yes, absolutely. And uh, while we do that, I guess we could give producer Brett an opportunity to warm up uh, with his coach for those hundred push-ups. Absolutely. So I'm gonna go ahead and go ahead. In the words of John Fitzgerald Kennedy, "Do not pray for easy lives. Pray to be stronger men." Well, you got to be a strong man to keep betting against me. Yep. So get your get nice and loose. Get nice and ready. And uh, here we're going to go ahead and we're going to patch in our newest sponsor here on the Boot Force Network. McNeil Engineering provides comprehensive design services including civil engineering, structural engineering, land surveying, high definition scanning, landscape architecture, and consulting services to the private and public sector. They are committed to delivering timely, responsive, economical design solutions. For over 30 years, McNeil Engineering has thrived on establishing personal relationships that providing quality design to their clients. They immerse themselves in each project to become part of the team to more thoroughly understand the customer's vision. They care about the economics of the project and more importantly, the satisfaction of each customer. Project deadlines are an absolute, not a goal. Thanks once again to McNeil Engineering. All right, it is time to look back yes. at predictions from last week. Producer Brett looking forward to his 100 push-ups, and he's got uh, Coach George yes. over there. George, cameraman George as well. Going to be filming. That way y'all can count all 100 as it goes. And if he misses any, please leave a comment and make sure that he doubles it next week. So we'll start with the game that was the actual reason for the bet. Do I just start it now? Yeah, go ahead. Knock him out. I mean, yeah, you got a hundred. However long go. it's going to take Doing you to it do. And no shoes, by the way, friends and family. No shoes. So it was the Saints Colts game that Brett bet against me on. I bet against. Well, he bet against me, but he yeah. took uh, the opposing side to us. Uh, we said we thought the Saints would definitely win. I said thirty-one to seventeen. You said thirty-one twenty-seven. Mm. He said Colts seventeen fourteen. And that bet 100 a hundred push-ups loser. on the shirt was a big loser. And you actually were closer than any. Thank you. Uh, the Thank final you. was 38-27. I was off by 17. You were off by 7. Bitch, I know that wasn't 100. I'm doing them in sets of 30. You're doing them in sets of 30? That is not an even mathematical that part of it? I thought it was a straight four. Is that a, is that a coaching decision to do it in huh? sets? Well, if you're going to do it in sets of 30, then you have to do 120. Listen, man, I still get paid. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Got to love it there. So second set, Donald gets the first ding of the day. Ayo. So uh, the the first game that we had predicted last yes. week was McNeese Northwestern, which, as we mentioned earlier, yes. has been canceled along canceled along with the rest of Northwestern season. So nobody gets a ding on that one. Yep. Uh, we all win by forfeit. I'm kidding. Uh, ULL versus South Alabama. 
And mm. I'm going to do this one real quick this while he's a, in the uh, midst of his push-ups. This was push-ups. a surprise uh, watching it live. It was an absolute surprise. We both thought, statistically, and the, the books were with us on this, that South Alabama should have ran away with it. And Brett actually, well, I'm sorry, what did you say? What was that? Is that the sound of a loser? Wait, did yeah, you say why did you? Why did you go to the gym today? It is a marathon. Hey, look, I'm going to make you feel better. You actually got a point, a ding in predictions. No, keep doing push-ups, though. Don't stop. There's no quitting here. What kind of coach are you? You're supposed to be hyping him up. Or take his knee out, whatever you push, do. Push, you ninny, push. Um, ULL South Alabama. We thought it was going to be South Alabama. It was, uh, it was not. So just on virtue of uh, picking the right team, yeah. Brett gets the ding. Which is a miracle. He said 24-17. The final was 33-20. Had I picked the right team, I said 34-24. Yes. I'd have got the ding only being five off. You said 41-30. But uh, yeah. shout out to the Cajuns. What a win. Indeed. Well done. We're sorry. Yeah. All right. ULM versus Arkansas State. Uh, the final score in that one was 34-24, Arkansas State. Closer game than it seemed. Closer that one, game. it was a closer game than it seemed. Um, however, I got that one. I said 34-28 was mm. my final pick. I was off by four. You weren't off that much. Uh, you said 30-28. Yeah. to 28. You were off by eight total. Brett picked ULM, uh, and he picked 14-7. He was going to lose anyway. He was off by 37 in that one, even if he did pick the right team. I'm, I'm looking at the corner of my eye, and there's a lack of push-ups going on. It's m- going to make me tear up. Oh, come on. Come on, carry the boats. Okay, and we'll keep going. All right, well, we're going to keep going. You think he's going to finish the push-ups by the time the show ends? You know, yes. if we're lucky. Um, but I, I wonder, you can't even make predictions until the push-ups are done. I'd love to see him make a prediction with no breath. I think it's going to happen. It might clean him up. He might start winning with the lack of oxygen. You're right. When he starts thinking rationally. Tulane versus Rice was the next one we picked. Uh, And uh, right now, so far, we are all a ding apiece. Tulane Rice, 30 to 28. Tulane, uh, Brett said Rice because he was just picking the, the, the opposites of us. You said Tulane. You're not counting push-ups he's not doing, are you? There they go. Um, I uh, you said thirty six to sixteen. Yes, you were off by eighteen. I said thirty one twenty four. I was off by five. Mm, congratulations! So I get the ding on that one. So that's uh, two for me, one for you, one for Brett. The final prediction that we had was Baton Rouge Idaho versus the Columbus River Dragons. And this one was a fun one to watch live. However, it was not the funnest game for the Zydeco. So both you and uh, Brett picked the Zydeco to win. Yes. So y'all would have, Brett would have got the ding on this one if he picked the right team because he was, he was only two off. Hmm. He was closer. Joe was the closest by virtue of right team. He said Colorado four to one. He changed his when I stole yes. his three to one. Old Columbus River Dragons. So Joe gets the ding, but since Joe's not, I mean, he, it's an yeah. honorary ding. But so then, do I get the ding for our show purposes? I think we have to be the true winner, so we will just all accept that as a non-victory. So, so I did not get the ding for the Zion which show. is the risk of the guest picker. You have to not only beat your fellow showmates, but you also have to beat the guest picker. 
All right, fine. Well, then I will adjust my totals. Which also I will mention was a unique thing. And for some of you who may not know, as you know, this is all relatively new to Louisiana. That is Columbus, Georgia, friends. That is not Columbus, Ohio. Uh, So we let a Georgia team come and beat us three times in a row. But I think another team might revenge that loss. Uh, he went to the, uh, come back to your camera, producer Brett, turn your mic on. Did he knock out all hundred yet? I got 30 more. Give me one minute. 30 more in a minute. So we'll set up for, uh, I mentioned 225 Monday. Hey, I hit like 90. That doesn't sound like pushups. Only that he he lost. He has to do a hundred pushups, but also the new standing rule is he can't make any predictions until he's done with his hundred pushups. You want to start with the LSU Alabama game? Hey, maybe this week. <laughs> Do we? W- <laughs> no, we will let him. Uh, we'll let him get back to work. Motivation is a beautiful. I tell you what, he dropped real quick. He's like, I'm gonna get these done. I'm gonna get these. All right. So as we look at the totals, um, eliminating the uh, the Zydeco game since Joseph was the winner on that one. Uh, I ended up taking two out of five. Donald, you took one. Brett took one. Yes. And that's how that went. The overall totals. Uh, I am in the lead with 25 of 51. You are at 21 of 51. Brett with 7 of 28. Only four so. weeks to go in college football. Yep. The uh, margin of error is ever increasing. So we are looking ahead now. We're getting into predictions. Did you finish your 100 yet? 20. 20 to go. It's a very brave man. All right. We'll, uh, we'll not go He'll slow. Get there. We'll... Yeah. He'll get there when he gets there. He doesn't know this All first right. game. Uh, first game is La Tech versus Liberty. Oh, look, a Bibu. Yes. I love those commercials. Uh, the Bulldogs trek to Williams Stadium in Virginia in search of a very probably unlikely W against the 8-0 Conference USA frontrunners, the Liberty Flames. I'm going to be honest, things don't look good Mm-mm. for the Bulldogs, who were 3-6 and six on the year, 2-3 and three in conference. Their defense has given up almost as many yards as their offense is averaging per game. And that's never yeah, good. No. The dogs have been in some close ones this season, losing three of their six losses by only one score or less. But even a six and three Bulldog team would have trouble with this Liberty Flames squad, who have only had one opponent this season come within one score of them. That was MTSU, who was one game behind La Tech. So I suppose anything could happen. Absolutely. But if you're betting on our four fun predictions. I think the smart money's on Liberty, 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 Ooh. Liberty, 31, 38, 21. So I don't necessarily disagree with your prediction as far as team goes, but this is ultimately a chance for Louisiana Tech to do an in-state favor. Uh, Liberty is 8-0, and while they weren't recognized by either the College Football Playoff Committee nor the standard rankings uh, with the AP at the Coaches Bowl, that is a strong record that could easily derail Tulane from any sort of post-game. Adrian! I did it! We have an update from Adrian! producer Brett. We'll have to Do cut we need the to get you a trash there. can, or are you good? Are you good. Dylan, you know, yes. water <laughs> and uh, Powerade, a prime energy drink. We need to I want it to be known, under normal circumstances, I know because I have done them, I can do 100 push-ups. I went to the gym today. I tried a light workout. David Goggins was in my ear. That didn't go great. And, uh, and lunch way, was in his throat. Yeah. I went way too hard Monday. I hit 225 on the bench. Congratulations. I went way too hard on that. My chest is still in pain from Monday. My tries are still in pain from today. But I did it. I did the 100. And before the season is over, 
I'm going to make Dave do some sit-ups. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know before I get back to my prediction, we are training producer Brett for a pro day at one of the local Louisiana universities as we attempt to bring him to a glory that he was never allowed in his younger youth. So uh, we'll see how he continues to progress. Next will be passing drills. Who wants me to do setups? It's not going to happen, Captain. It ain't going to happen. You got to we'll bet on see. him. All right. Not against him. But correct. Bet on me. Not against me. But I'm going to go against our Louisiana darling dogs. And this is going to be a prediction that it pains my heart to say. Another Bebo? It will be Liberty in a closer battle than some expect. Louisiana Tech loves getting into late games and finding ways to end them uniquely. So this will be 45 to 41. Oh, that's a high-scoring game. High-scoring game. Okay. I like it. Two touchdowns. Smoke hairs. Watch it. Ooh. All right. Second game of the week, Nichols versus Incarnate Word. I think this game is going to be way better than it looks Underrated on, paper. on the radar. Get ready for some of this information here. The Colonels started this season 0-3, and, and then they woke up and started lambasting opponents. 31-10 on McNeese, 38-7 against HCU, 27-7 versus Texas A&M Commerce. Now, notably, Houston Christian is the best of those schools at 4-4, four and four, but records don't mean much to the Colonels, who are an undefeated 4-0 in South right. play. For the record, uh, while we only gave them credit for three wins, that fourth win was the Northwestern yes. uh, uh, forfeit. forfeit. However, uh, so too undefeated in conference play are their opponents this week, the 7-1 and one Incarnate Word Cardinals, who are currently ranked fourth in the FCS coaches poll. Now, I know the good teams find a way to win, uh, but I don't know that I'm buying into the hype. Mm. UIW has had some solid wins this season, but they've kept games way closer than they should have. They let Abilene Christian and Southeastern get within one score of them. Yes. McNeese and Lamar were only about 10 points away. UIW is a 7-1 team on paper, but I don't know that they are that good on the field. I know I'm congested. Mm. Are you smelling some? I still smell an upset this week. Oh, I'm picking Nichols 27-20. And as much as I love Nichols, you know I continue to shed my praise for you, Thibodeau. All of you down there, US 90, down on the down the bayou, as they say. Um, it's it's going to be University of Incarnate Word uh, cleaning up this week. Uh, if this game was at Nichols, I'd feel a little bit better about it. I just can't quite take the Colonels in this one, and I do hope they prove me wrong. I'm simply going to put this one on paper. This is going to be 33-30 Incarnate Word. All right. Hey, are, are you in on these yet? I am going to use producer privilege to force us to talk about Bama. And I'm going to do it for a thematic reason. Oh, okay, we're, we're going to get there. We're not there yet. You're, you're only one away. Two. Two away. Snell, Snell, Zudenuften. Your mom and Hyman. All right, whatever. Uh, game three, McNeese versus Southeastern. Very important game. Yes. So In state. This week we head to Hammond, America, where the current reigning Southland Conference champions hope to get their first real win of the season against a McNeese team who's also hoping to do the same. If you look at the records, Southeastern is 1-7. and seven. Yeah. Their one win uh, came against Northwestern. That was the game that we talked about right after the Ronnie Caldwell shooting and was the game that probably prompted the program 
to forfeit the rest of their season. Yep. As an SLU alum, I'll take the W however they want to give it to me. However, the Demons were not in that game, and I think that game comes with an asterisk. Yeah. Uh, I did predict it right, though. It should have been a forfeit like the rest, which would leave us with what my dad used to call a battle of the bums for the seller. That's right. Uh, neither program this year, very good. But what a dramatic turn for Southeastern, who went from being conference champ to can't win a game. Early in the season, Southeastern was getting beaten by double digits in mm. every game before posting that win against Northwestern. Their three previous losses were all within one score of ending differently. It's taken a while, but Southeastern looks like they may have started to figure out how to put some things together. It is definitely a little too late, but certainly better than McNeese, who's lost by double digits in all of their games this season except for one. Not that it means much, but I think this is going to be the week for the green and gold to line up. You're going to get your first real win, no asterisks of the season. Mm. I'm picking Southeastern 31-21. And again, you know, every week I try and take the deepest look into how things work here. I try and take a true, well-constructed take. How are you doing this season? How am I doing this season? I'm doing well enough to be in the hunt. You're second. But down who three. also is in the hunt is the Cowboys. <coughs> what hunt are in they pursuit, in? pursuit. A pursuit, a type of hunt. Yeah, of a W. And they're pursuing a W against a lion. That's an animal. Cowboys pursue animals. And they're going to pursue the W in Hammond. Did you talk to your four year old niece to get this prediction? Even better. I created a loop, and it has brought me to one location, which is a McNeese win, taking them 27-20. Cowboys. Go Pokes. 27-20. All right. You in on this one? No. Okay. Moving right along. Tulane at East Carolina. Now, I want to clarify, which Carolina is this? This is East Kakalaki. This is East Kakalaki. It is not North Carolina. North Carolina is back on the docket on the Boot Sports Network. I'll tell you what, the fact that I can do that, it it bodes well for me this week. Promising. All right. Tulane at East Kakalaki. It's a little Saturday afternoon action for the 7-1 wave as they head to East Carolina to take on the 1-7 Pirates, who are winless in conference play. This should be a late-season cupcake to help Tulane figure out how to write their second-half defense's wrongdoings as of late, uh, before having to finish the season against some tougher conference opponents in UTSA and FAU. Tulane does have the statistical advantage in just about every major category, Michael Pratt should not have any problem posting yards on a defense that's giving up over 350 per game. The books are riding the wave on this one, too. They have Tulane at 16.5-point favorites with an over-under of about 47. While it's a conference game, I think it's a little low. Mm. The point spread. That is. Uh, I am at uh, 51 points, so if you're betting my four-fun prediction, take the over. I'm picking Tulane 38-13. So, again... East Carolina or the Pirates? Gar. Pirates ride in boats. Gar. Boats ride on waves. Garsh. Tulane is a wave. Shiver me timbers. A green wave. But waves are known to destroy boats when we they're big enough. We be sinking to ships. And since this is a big wave this year at 7-1, and one, I think they're looking to get another big victory here. And I'm seeing 17 points here. Our friends in the desert came up with. They're not familiar with waves. They're really not. They don't have many there. 
A lot of them are artificial. So this is an artificial number for all of you out there. And, uh, they do I'm have Raiders, t- though. They do have Raiders, but I think that's more of a different variety for those of you who enjoy the prequels. Um, for the super reference there. Uh, Tulane, I'm taking them by nine. Okay. It's going to be 39-30 wave roll through so, East Carolina. So we talked about Tulane and what they have and haven't been able to do offensively. That's correct. Neither one of us picks Tulane to get over 40 points in this game. Mm-hmm. They don't break 40 points this game. They don't break 40 points at all this season. I don't think they do. I'm saying it. I, I don't, don't think that's what they need to do. I think their defense needs to keep teams much similar to how they are mimicking another team in New Orleans under 20, hopefully 25, maybe give them a college a little college boost. But, yeah, uh, yeah they're not going to win based off of uh, putting 40s and 50s out there. That's uh, not their game. Gotcha. I would say it's time for Bama, but it's not. It's time for LSU, and I'll tell you why. Because I, when I was doing those push-ups, nearly fainted. And when I did that, I saw into the future. And I saw a future where LSU makes Jason Milrow feel like Dave made me feel today with those push-ups. I see a lot of zone blitzes. I see him not coming back. And I see into the past, past 2021, LSU's worst season I've seen since I've been alive at least. We had a horrible defense every game. But then something magical happened. We had a bye week before Bama. We were one play away from beating them. Why is that? Our defense stepped up. We had a lot worse players than our secondary had this year. So I got to say, our defense steps up. Our offense steps up. Brandon Brett, LSU 54, Bama 45. Jesus. I played NCAA today. Thank you. And when I played NCAA... I had a bye week, I had a practice round, like LSU does on their bye. And I played it for realsies. And I played it for realsies, 37 to 6. I see Jason Milrow. His, his name a, is Jalen. Jalen Milrow. You see, He's name, oxygen deprived, his obviously. His name doesn't mm. even matter. Halloween was he, a few days ago. He is a Notre Dame backwater reject. Mm. And I'm going to say this about him. He ain't going to be throwing too many passes when that LSU defense sacks his butt and he starts to freak out. This LSU offense is the best since 2019, if not better. We are a freight train. Nothing can stop us. They're saying Bama's the best defense. Well, they said George had the best defense in the 2019 LSU SEC championship game. And what happened there? We went through them like crap through a goose. We're going to do it again at Bama in Tuscaloosa. LSU by 50. Can we get your boy an ice bath or some something? Uh, the, a cannula, the some ice bath. <laughs> and Nick Saban is too busy paying players with NIL money to afford to pay the refs this year. It's going to be a clean game with more penalties on Bama than us because they don't know what they're doing against an offense like ours. ICS making three critical stops to their offense. Uh, on critical drives with them only maybe making one to two critical stops on our offense. We're going to win by 10 points. LSU by 50. I think that jacket's got him very dehydrated. Something like that. He, it's, needs, uh, he needs some milk. Go Tigers. He needs some milk. That boy. And, uh, you know, I think that means he's out on Tulane ECU, but that's okay. That's yeah, okay. No, I think he's definitely, I think. I don't know how Jaden Daniels runs with a, Things so big between his legs. Wow. Well, we're going to see it this Saturday. 
Hot takes from producer Brett. Only available here on Boots to Balls. At least we're playing the elephants. <coughs> Lord. Well, he's talking about... Never mind. Yep. All right, let's... um. Let's get some analysis let's get into the going analysis. before we uh, get into our predictions. You already know who it is and what it is. Yep. Despite producer's Brett, producer Brett's glorious rant, it is so much more than Bama hate. Indeed. It is so much more than beating Saban. This is our ticket to a shot at Georgia. SEC championship redemption from last year. This is our claim to relevance in all postseason discussions. This is the most important regular season game on the schedule. The implications, we yes. know them all. We've talked about them all. You lose the game, the rest of the season is basically for fun. All of the offensive comparisons between Jaden Daniels and Joe Burrow, this offense and the 2019 offense, there's no comparison between this offense and Alabama's offense. Statistically, we're leaving yep. Bama's offense in the dust. And I'm going to tell you what, this, I, this wasn't okay. even written into my analysis. Okay. I saw Nick Saban on the Pat McAfee show. Yes, he did. Earlier today. Mm-hmm. And boy, is he scared about the LSU offense. Yep. As he should be. You start talking about Jaden Daniels and all the things that Jaden Daniels can do, and let me tell you something. But you had to see. Nick Live. Saban is scared. They got beat by Texas, and if it bleeds, we can kill it. Nick Saban is scared. Alabama has been given up over 300 yards per game, whereas we've been allowing almost 400. We're going to have to shine on defense. Uh, and if we can't shine on defense with a number of players out, then what we're going to have to do, yep. as I promised, as I've been talking about it weeks back, hopefully LSU has been practicing this, they're going to have to get their offense yes. to play a little defense. Slow down. Eat, Eat clock. clock. Eat clock. Keep the ball away from Alabama. If we do that, I believe we're going to edge out Alabama in another nail-biter. I'm picking LSU 34-31. That's a beautiful prediction. And... You picked LSU, correct? LSU, LSU. Yes. Okay, I thought I heard you that don't, backwards. You don't pick Alabama I during thought hate I week. I heard that backwards. Hell okay. no. Because I'm, I'm a deep dive a little bit further into the discussion here. Right now, you have a Alabama defense. They are graded one of the highest in the country for their cornerback play. Now, you have right now two elite wide receivers, Malik Neighbors. And, of course, Brian Thomas Jr. What I think a lot of people are not giving enough respect is that it is not just the two wide receivers that are a threat in this passing game. This passing game is going to be critical to the victory. Now, we talk about this all year. We say, okay, we see Jaden. We see your passing yards. We see what you've been able to do with your wide receivers. I think Malik Neighbors is going to have his, and I think Brian Thomas will probably get another touchdown Nick send his SEC lead. But what will ultimately make the biggest difference, and we see this every year with a successful defeat of Alabama, is that there is some wrinkle, be it a Jordan Jefferson with a trick play, be it you know using uh, Clyde in a different way to win in 19. You saw, obviously, the toss dive to Mason Taylor last year to win in uh, 22 in a double earthquake game. 
what LSU will probably, and I'm going to predict this in a way, not so much speculate, but probably, they're going to lean on their non-big-name uh, receiving talent, mm-hmm. which when you have the opportunity to utilize the bye week, <coughs> many people debate the validity of the bye week before Alabama every year. But if you can work in some of these players into specific packages to exploit this very elite cornerback group, this is not a group that's going to allow a lot of yards traditionally, like we've seen from teams like Auburn, so forth and so on. Those are the weaker variety of the SEC, Mississippi State. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of Chris Hilton. I think you're going to see a lot of Logan Diggs in a screen roll, maybe a little bit more than the traditional uh, through-the-middle dive that we've seen so much this year. Uh, The line is going to be forced to do a lot this week. It's going to be forced to take on a bigger role. You cannot let Jaden take some of these nasty hits that he's taken all year. Uh, I don't know if he would quite be able to respond the same way in that road environment that we've seen, uh, you know, in maybe – lesser uh, significant games where we know that he is going to be on such a tight margin. Ultimately, I think it is the maybe middle players. You often hear them. You could see someone like a John Emery return and make a big play late in the game, be it in the, a short toss dive, something of the sort, you know, maybe a push at the goal line. It's going to be a very close game. And it's one that I can't necessarily say, belongs in the realm of a upset it doesn't belong in the realm of a uh sort of definitive victory i think it's going to be one that goes down to the wire a lot like what you saw in 2019 where a team just simply had the ball last and took care of business if lsu has that ball last and they do what they need to do i'm gonna call a very close one this week but i'm gonna call one that might surprise a few people i am putting this number up here in the spirit of the game we play amongst ourselves. Okay. I'm going to put the number 45-44 LSU. Wow. Now, note, that is me simply signifying, I believe, an LSU victory. I am basically tossing a potential of a point spread victory away for this game that we play because I believe in the Tigers, but I do not know how the defense is able to contain. So I'm going to trust the Tigers to win. How I can't quite say. I Offense will. I will believe defense. in forty-five for LSU. Unlike though. some Hudco roofers, I am not going to make a bold claim about LSU losing and then go back on it when they win. I'm going to say that I'm confident in an LSU victory. LSU is going to win this game, and we're going to win it by at least a touchdown. I will. I have made my prediction. I stand by my prediction. I say LSU thirty-four thirty-one. Should. This be a game that LSU wins by more than a touchdown. Yes. If it is a game that in winning by more than a touchdown, Jane Daniels throws four and also scores one on his own. Oh, yeah. I think the Heisman Trophy is his to throw away. I agree. I agree. I think uh, if you're looking for a uh, patented Heisman moment, as they say, there's no bigger one than LSU-Alabama. Um, we talk about what it means to get that trophy, how you win it from maybe schools with a bit of a higher media prestige. You think, okay, what makes, you know, Jaden able to overcome those schools? Some like a Michigan or even Washington this year, a bit of a media darling. It's the fact that you can go out there on a Saturday night in the SEC and you can prove that there is no one who's going to stop you. And there is no one who's going to prevent you from gaining victory. 
And that's what I see in a quarterback from like Jaden. He's he's going through all of it. You look at his Arizona State time. He played a strong performance there, and he was never necessarily a bad quarterback, but he never really took a moment to shine. And then you see him last year, and you see he gets a taste of it, you know, with the major win in Death Valley. Everyone stormed the field twice, might I add. And he gets a little bit of a taste of it. I think he's ready to revel in it. I think he's ready to make his Heisman moment this weekend. Last point I'm going to make on LSU Alabama. The band needs to show up. They need to play neck loud and early and often. The Alabama band is going to try to step all over you. Don't take that mess from nobody. Finish the line all damn day in Tuscaloosa. That's right. Needs to, it needs to happen. Sarah, tango, tango, delta, bravo. Amen, brother. Amen. If you know, you know. Yes. All right. And it's now time. Moving on to our final game of the week, Saints-Bears. As we mentioned, the Saints are now 4-4, four and four, currently tied with the Falcons for the top spot in the NFC South. And Derek Carr in the offense just had a breakthrough game against yes. the Colts. The Colts are a mediocre team. The Bears are opponents this week. They're not good this season. Mm. They're not good at all. I wouldn't even call them mediocre. The Bears are at the bottom of the NFC North at 2-6. and six. Justin Fields... If he's even playing, yes, because he's he's questionable on the uh, the injured reserve. He has been very generous giving the ball to opposing defenses this season, and as challenged as our offense had been this season, Justin Fields has thrown for seven hundred yards less than Derek Carr, three more touchdowns, but also thrown two more picks. Yep, the Bears' defense is ranked twenty third in the league, giving up almost three hundred and fifty yards a game and twenty five points. Saints defense is still ranked number five in the league, giving up less than 300 yards and 15 points per game. If the offense really does have it figured out, last week isn't a fluke no. or a one-off, and the defense gets back to play in top five ball where they're keeping teams to 20, 15, or less, it's going to be a bad, bad week for the Chicago Bears. New Orleans, 34 Thirteen. Thirty-four thirteen. Ugly. Thirty-four thirteen. You you do this to me and you know what I have <coughs> to do, and every week we get into it. But I want it to be known to you at home, to you here across from me. I about was about to pick the Saints thirty four seventeen. Planning the Saints at thirty four. And now I am deeply saddened. So instead no, I'll change it. it. Keep no, it. Keep no, it. Because I trust in one man this week. I trust in Blake Groupie. Oh, okay. So I'm going to give you, Blake, the opportunity to make me another perfect prediction this year. And I'm going to give you 33, and I'm going to take some from the Bears. I'm only going to give them 13. You say, oh, but I that's more 13. than you. Yeah, no, it's no, exactly right. Because so you're, I think, literally, you're literally one dollar in No, me. because it's even worse because I think this is going to be one of those weird games where the Bears – Probably give one away in those funky ways. Maybe a safety. I don't know. But that's how we get to that 33 number. So probably four touchdowns from your Saints offense. And then uh, a little bit craziness. That may be a missed extra point. Maybe a missed extra, missed extra point and then a field goal. Something and like I'm that. oxygen depleted enough. Where I'm I don't even take. know if your mic's on. I'm gonna, Yeah, it's on. Oh, good. I'm going to take Tampa Bay by five. I know they're not playing in this game. You stupid so I can't. So I can't win, but I also can't lose. You want to bet on it? No. (laughs) (laughs) 
He has relinquished his pride. <laughs> he will have to lick his wounds. Not and this week, but another week. I'm coming for you, and I'm making you do 50 sit-ups. Come get it. All right. So, your final prediction: 33-13. That is what I'm locking in. But locked in 33-13. Mine's 34-13. Before we leave predictions, I would like it to be known that we do enjoy all of your comments in the comment section and. We had a bit of an early commenter this week. Okay. Uh, so joining us in the comment section of the live video, episode 10 there on YouTube, was uh, our friend Charlotte Hall, 5767. Howdy, Charlotte. Yep. And uh, she decided to throw out there Saints Bears 28 to 10. Okay. Uh, like Saints it. over the Bears there. And she also threw out LSU 49, Alabama 35. All right. So hold on. Let's get Charlotte in here. Charlotte picked, what was her Saints prediction? That was 28 to 10, Saints over the Bears. 28 10, Nola. All right. We'll circle back, see how you did with that one. And LSU 49, Alabama 35, a 14 point victory in T Town. Uh, wait, give me that score again. 49 to 35. Y'all like an LSU getting 45, 49, 54. That, I don't, I would love nothing more than to know. see LSU at post somewhere plus 45 on Alabama. But commenters, help me with my next NCAA prediction. Help me figure out what button you pick to uh, tell your players to target a player and injure them. Can, can you do that? I wish. All right. <laughs> but what you can do. Charlotte, your predictions, my dear, duly noted, and they are in with everybody else. If uh, anybody else wants to make predictions, right. this is not a live-streamed episode. You can put your predictions in, uh, just so long as they happen before the games actually play. It would be great. Yep, absolutely. And then uh, we'll line yours up with ours. <laughs> we'll line all of yours up with ours, and we'll see how they do when we look back next week. Uh, if you're wondering where to go to do all that, uh, you can just hit us up in the comments section of wherever you are listening to this podcast. Uh, or you can go to bootsportsnetwork.com. Bootsportsnetwork.com is your front row VIP ticket to Boots to Balls and all things boot sports. That's where you can leave comments, questions, predictions, find us in your favorite preferred podcast arenas. No matter where or how you listen, just make sure that you like and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Don't forget to follow us on all of your favorite social media channels right there along the ticker in the bottom. And of course, on TikTok as well. Make sure that you're following us there for unique content that yes. you're not going to get anywhere else on the Boot Sports Network. Hope that you guys have a fantastic Boots Sports weekend. I believe we may be back next week uh, right. live. Live. Not recorded, but live streamed. And we, uh, we look forward to welcoming you guys into the show with us as we did last week, and hopefully I'll be back in my fullest capacities. Indeed. Uh, but until then, we will see you guys next time right here for another out-kicking a coverage out-kicking episode of Boots to, to Balls. Balls. See you, everybody. Boots to Balls is for entertainment purposes only. This podcast does not render legal or financial advice. Remember to bet responsibly, and if you or anyone you know is struggling with problem gambling, reach out to your local gambling helpline.